0: So let's cultivate our motivation. So especially when attending teachings or doing pujas or any kind of uh, specific dharma activities, as well as in the rest of our lives, we need to be very grounded in our spiritual practice and know what our objects of refuge are, whose guidance we're following, what the path is, what the result is. And so this requires learning and study. It's not just a question of sitting down, closing our eyes, and watching the breath. All of this uh, mental clarity does not come simply from that. And similarly, in the context of teachings, yeah, everybody involved has to have a positive intention towards everybody else. So the teacher has to really care about the students, want to help them on the path. And the students have to have respect and gratitude and uh, confidence that what they're learning. From the text and from their teacher will help them. So you can see, just, there's a lot of qualities that we need to develop just to properly listen to teachings or to give teachings. And then, of course, the motivation for doing those actions really needs to be one of compassion, a motivation to create harmony in our minds and the minds of others. We're not here to compete on who knows the most. We're here to transform our minds so we can make a positive contribution to the welfare of all living beings, and so we can continually advance on the path, so that we can make that contribution more and more as time goes on. So cultivate your bodhicitta motivation. So whether we're uh, leading meditation or being the MC for an event or making announcements, even people come and visit, uh, we need to have a motivation of wanting to benefit them. Yeah. And any kind of sneakiness in our motivation, like... I'm the person in the front of the room, so they're going to think I'm more important here. That kind of motivation has to be done away with. Now, we're not here to be the most important. We're not here, you know, uh, if we start thinking, I have a special way of leading meditations that's so good, or I can make announcements very clearly better than other people can or uh, the way i lead discussions is so clear you know and people will know me for what i do yeah all of that is just worldly junk isn't it yeah so we have to be on the outlook for that kind of stuff yeah and so this is what dharma practice involves. It's again and again observing the mind and correcting the the motivation, the intention, the, the thoughts that are operating in our mind. Okay. So practicing dharma isn't ringing bells and, uh, you know, playing the drum and, Chanting and Tibetan and this kind of stuff. It's really transforming the mind. Yeah, and nobody can transform our own mind but us. Yeah. So when we feel like our mind isn't in the right space, there's no sense blaming anybody else because they can't crawl inside of us and change our mood. Yeah. They can influence us, but, you know, really changing our thought and our mood is what we have to do. Yeah, Otherwise, we give our power away and I'm only in a good mood when so-and-so does this and that. And whenever people act like, hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo, then I'm in a bad mood. Yeah? So then we can't do anything, can we? We're entirely dependent on how other people act and what they say for our moods. Yeah? So then, (laughs) yeah, then what? Yeah, we can't do anything. Yeah? Yeah. And then we get into, you know, complaining and trying to control everybody else. And that brings its own set of problems, doesn't it? Yeah. As soon as we try and control other people. But we don't say, I'm trying to control people. I'm trying to uh, let them know how uh, we can get along better. Yeah? Okay. So, we've just been uh, talking, you know, we're still in Chapter 5. We've been talking about, until now, uh, in the last few verses, about uh the dharma and how to give the dharma uh, how to you know to others and talking about our body how to give the body or how not to give the body if we're not fully equipped to do it okay and so uh you know teaching people in correct situations you know you don't go into uh somebody's bedroom <coughs> to give them teachings, that's not the way it's done. Uh, Yeah, you, um, we teach or, you know, do something according to the interests and needs of that person. So we don't teach them something that's so advanced that they get discouraged Uh, or, you know, constantly, um, you know, repeat what they already know when they actually need to get pushed in in a way so that they'll understand that a little bit better or understand something new okay so we have to you know be able to have a sensitivity about how how to guide people and definitely when we don't know the answer to a question we need to say i don't know okay yeah Or if we're giving our own opinion on something, we preface it with, this is my opinion. We don't state it as, this is the the truth that the Buddha said. Okay? This is my opinion of what this means. Okay. And so definitely not uh, making up our own theories about emptiness and the nature of reality and all this, you know, so that you please people, you know, because there there can be really the the thing that when you're teaching or get leading meditations or whatever, you want everybody to be happy afterwards. And if people don't like something that you're saying, then it's like, oh, then I better change it so that they're happy with what I'm saying. And that can become very dangerous because then we start feeding, you know, we, we are not saying what the Buddha taught. We are saying what will make somebody else feel happy, which could be, uh, you know, some other doctrine altogether (laughs) that we alone have discovered and it is now in the New Age newspaper. Okay. Okay, so now verse 91, he's going into, uh, you know, other practical advice. So if you can't understand emptiness, this stuff we can understand. Okay, now, whether we will do it or not is another question. Okay, because some of we just, I don't like that advice. Okay, when I spit or throw away the stick for cleaning my teeth, I should cover it up with earth. What do you mean? Yeah, when I spit, I should cover it up? And I should throw my toothbrush away every time after I brush my teeth? Or bury it in the garden? (laughs) Okay. In ancient India and in contemporary India, people spit on the street. Okay. In our country, it's not that, you know, some people do that, but it's looked at as kind of uncouth. So... You know, better to carry tissues, don't spit in the street. Okay, in ancient India, they there was a special stick that they used to clean their teeth. They didn't have Colgate toothbrushes or Oral-B toothbrushes. Um, yeah, there's a special stick that you chew on, and that cleans your teeth. And so, when you throw it away, you don't put it in the path for you know other people to look at. And trip over, yeah, you bury it. Okay, so, you know, there's some things that are being taught according to the culture. We have to adjust it to our culture, okay? So, here it's okay to spit. In, in uh, for us, if we went walking up and down the streets of Newport going... <laughs> Um, you know, I mean, the (laughs) alley, the abbey would develop a certain reputation that wouldn't be so good. Okay. So, yeah, we core, the idea is that you correspond with the manners of the place in which you're living. Okay. In India, too, even now, you know, Uh, people pee by the roadside, especially the men. You know, here you'll get arrested if you pee by the roadside. Okay. (laughs) Also, it is shameful to urinate and so forth in water or on land used by others. Yeah, you use a toilet. Now, in ancient India, you know, they didn't really have toilets. Uh, and in some places, the toilet is really merely designated; it doesn't necessarily <laughs> perform that function. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but you know, we we try and again be discreet and not do things that disturb other people. Okay. When I eat, I should not fill my mouth, eat noisily, or with my mouth wide open. Okay. So this is also manners in our culture, but we do see people stuff their mouth and eat noisily, especially when you serve chips. Have you ever noticed how noisy the dining room is when there, people serve chips? And some people more than others, they're, they're chip chewing. Like, really, you know, I, I, don't know what to do about that. <laughs> that's up to you to figure out. Okay. But we shouldn't stuff our mouth, eat noisily, or chew with our mouth wide open, oh, nah, nah, you know. Okay. That, that's also in our culture, isn't it? Yeah. And, and, you know, we also should eat in a relaxed manner, not like, eat real quickly so that we can get it all in. Um, you know, some people may have grown up in families or in certain living situations where you had to eat really quickly so that you could go back and get more. Or, uh, you know, some people, uh you know, if the plate is here, they're like this, you know. And you it's like you have to protect your food so that nobody else is gonna eat it. You know, the guys in prison and probably in, you know, some other kinds of homes and all, uh, group homes, then you know, you there's this feeling of I've gotta protect my food. So, but here, at least in the monastery, uh, you know, I I don't think anybody is gonna snatch anybody else's food, although you know, unexpected things happen. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, maybe Upeka and, uh, and Karuna are going to come in and, uh, you know, decide they like broccoli, and there goes your broccoli, and then we can register them in the Guinea's Book of World Records for cats that like broccoli. <laughs> okay, so... You know, try, try and, and eat with, with good manners. Yeah. Um, and, and in our culture, there are certain foods you eat with your fingers and certain foods you don't. In India, even nowadays, you know, people very often eat with their hands. You eat with your right hand. You don't eat with your left hand if you're in India. Okay, but you eat with your right hand. And people often do that in restaurants. That, you know, that's part of the culture. It's okay to do that. You know, here you can eat pizza and french fries like that. Yeah. But if you started, you know, picking up your macaroni and cheese or, <laughs> yeah, uh, people may look askance. Okay. I should not sit with my legs outstretched or nor rub my hands together. Okay, so uh, in the meditation hall, we don't stretch our legs out towards the statues and the texts, but to the side. Now, guests who come don't know that. They don't know that etiquette. So sometimes we just have to help them and say, you may not know that, but part of our etiquette in the hall is we don't stretch our legs out towards the front of the room, but towards the side of the room. Okay, So the best way, you know, whenever you have to give somebody some etiquette advice is, you know, you give them a way out. Like, you may not know this, but this is our custom here, you know. So, yeah, of course, they may not know Buddhist custom. That's okay. So that's why we're helping them. Okay. Um, Similarly, you know, when we chant after lunch... We should be sitting up straight. We shouldn't be, you know, leaning back with our feet stretched out, you know, like, i oh, stayed so much, you know. Um, but sit up stay- straight when we're chanting. And, you know, we shouldn't be looking around the room when we're chanting either. Yeah? Either be reading the board, lower your eyes so you can focus on, or lower your eyes and, like, You can focus on on what you're chanting. Okay, but we shouldn't be kind of looking around at everybody else. Sometimes the chanting starts before you've finished chewing your last bite or washing your mouth or whatever, and you have to do that. But that's something else. If you don't do that, then, you know, you continue chanting and the food is, (laughs) you know spring okay um no rubs my rub my hands together that one I'm, I'm not so you know i think that means just going like this a lot in public you know that's not something that that we do so much okay but always watch uh you know our physical posture you know? and guys should not man's, what man, man is talking. Man-spreading. Yeah? I don't know, but, you know, keep to your own seat. <laughs> keep your legs in. Okay, 93. I should not sit alone in vehicles, upon beds, nor in the same room with the women of others. Or, you know, for women, with the men of others. Or with men or women in general. Okay, whether they're married and in a relationship or not, we don't, uh, you know, sit on the same bed, sit on the same couch, something like that. Uh, I noticed it at one monastery we went to, you know, in their kind of hangout room there were sofas, you know, and people would sit on the sofas. And we've gotten rid of our sofas, pretty much. Um so that you know people sit on individual chairs. It just makes it much easier. Uh in, in terms of vehicles, again, it's always better to have somebody else in the vehicle. Or if you're you're traveling and somebody's picking you up, make sure it's somebody you know. Um sometimes it's not always possible to uh to have somebody you know or pick you up. But, you know, I think it's fair to, uh, to say to the Dharma Center, you know, if you're a woman, please ask a woman to pick me up. If you're a man, please ask a man to pick me up. Yeah. When um, <laughs> We were flying to Lehigh uh, for His Holiness's teachings in Pennsylvania. This was some years ago. And I had to go early, and Venerable Chunyi was arranging the rides, and... She had me riding in the car. I was arriving at like eleven thirty at night, or no, ten thirty at night. Still late at night, and uh, somebody, some man I didn't know, was picking me up. And I said, "No, (laughs) you know, you got to call the people back and arrange for something else." Even my mother wouldn't let a strange man pick me up at the airport at ten thirty at night. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, we have to sometimes really educate uh, Dharma centers on how to do things. You know? And uh, similarly, if you're planning for somebody else or if you're going yourself, you know, make sure you're not staying at the flat of, you know, somebody of the opposite sex or somebody you might be sexually attracted to. Uh, when you're the only person there, uh, you know. When I was teaching in, where was I? Oh, it was in belarus in Minsk. Yeah, there was a group there, and they, you know, they wanted me to stay at, at the nicest place. So it was one guy had a flat, you know and and so they arranged for me to stay at his flat he was the only person there i didn't learn that until he opened the door and then trying to be very courteous he he started unzipping my jacket you know that he was you know the men in this part of the world you know and i just went ah oh! <laughs> you know and then when i went to use the bathroom you know, who who's in the bathroom? Some Playboy bunny, a huge, bigger than life, Tonka, of a pre, you know, not a Tonka, a, a photograph of a Playboy bunny. You know? And it was like, uh, I'm in the wrong place but we got there at night you know because I had gone to the teaching first and then we, there was nothing to do so I just made sure yeah, I was sleeping in another room and you know I locked that door and put some chairs in front of it <laughs> um, so yeah I mean it's very interesting when you travel and teach because you you don't have control over a lot of stuff and you get put in all sorts of con Places, you know, and some places are really nice, and some places, like, in Jambi. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, you know. <laughs> yeah. Or not only in Jambi, in, in, uh, that place in, uh, and where was it? It was in Malaysia outside, in butterf not Butter- yeah, it was in Butterfield. yeah, yeah, where we were staying in some place where the ceilings were like that hard. you were there, that high above our face, all made of wood, the The windows had bars on them. Everything was wood. If there was a fire in that building, we would have been goners. There was no way for us to get out. yeah. So, you know, you wind up in situation, very interesting. Yeah. And so you have to navigate these situations with finesse. You can't, you can't be rude and say, you know, you know, this place, like, why are you putting me in here? You want me to burn to death? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not Joan of Arc, please. (laughs) You know, you don't say that. So some things you just kind of go along with you know but then other things you you know if i ever go to minsk again i am going to make very clear to the people you know uh so this is sometimes the advantage of having an assistant who plans your travel because it's much easier for the assistant to check these things than for you to check it when you're there you know after they've fixed it all up so yeah, anyway, it's very interesting. Yeah, one time I they put me in a temple alone and <laughs> the room I was staying in, the door locked behind me and I, I woke up in the morning and I had to go to the bathroom and I couldn't get out of the room. <laughs> yeah, and so I was pounding the door, you know, hoping somebody would come, and but nobody else was in the building, you know. One time in Mexico, also, they locked me in the Dharma Center. And another time in, in Malaysia, they were going to lock me in the Dharma Center, but I I was smart that time. And I said, no, you give me a pair of keys. Yeah, <laughs> so I need to have a way out in case there's danger but instead what they did in that place is they hired a taxi uh you know from a taxi company that supposedly they knew about uh but the guy who was driving me didn't know how to get the, to the airport He, we didn't speak the same language. We're driving all over KL and he's pulling in here and pulling in there. And I have no idea where he's going and what he's doing. And so I asked, let me out of the car, you know, and he wouldn't let me out of the car. Finally, we made it to the airport. But I was getting really desperate. Yeah, because I didn't know what, I mean, he was pulling into different. Places supposedly to ask for directions, but you know, one was a housing complex, one was something else, and that was a bit scary. Um, Yeah, so so um, just be prepared. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we're not supposed to, to, to carry money, but I think when you travel, we have to have some money or a credit card or something, because you get, you can get yourself, you know, when people don't know how to treat monastics properly, or just treat people in general courteously, forget being a monastic, um, you know, then we, we need to be able to do something. Okay. So we don't sit, uh, you know, here, sometimes it happens. Two people, you know, are going to the dentist today, you know, a monk and a nun. That's not such serious business. They're driving to the dentist, driving back. That's it. Okay. But, um, you know, in, in general, you wouldn't want to go on a longer trip or, uh, you know, again, be out at night alone. Yeah, I heard of one monk. Yeah, this I'll save this story for our Vinaya class. (laughs) Okay, so, in brief, having observed or inquired about what is proper, I should not do anything that would be disliked by the people of the world. Okay, so here... Either we observe, we're traveling, we observe how people act and what's proper or not, or we inquire about it. What is suitable? Okay, and then having that knowledge, I you know, we don't do anything that would be disliked by the people of the world. Okay, in other words, we you know don't spit on the sidewalk. We don't. Yell and scream, and you know, in public, things that that are considered rude in in society, you know. And when we're dealing with with people in different businesses or or whatever, to speak to them politely, yeah, and be kind. And sometimes we need to push. Yeah, we often need to push to get certain things done but you can push politely yeah you don't have to be ag- aggressive and yell although what did we do when we were building the meditation hall venerable samk we we had uh, the the contractor for the meditation yeah. hall had he forgot to put the lamb bean in, and he was coming up with one excuse after the other why he and his men were not here working. And uh, so we sat down one evening, and who was it, Nerea, and you, and me, and a couple of other people, and we all talked about how our mothers would handle the situation. Okay. Because we learn a lot from our parents and watching what they do. And we were laughing hysterically because, you know, our mothers all had different ways of, you know, what you do to get somebody to come and do what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. I forgot how we, what well, we eventually decided on, which technique. It was a cross between Adele and Jenny. Okay. <laughs> Jenny was Venerable gonna throw a frying pan or something. That's right, and she'd stand there with her hands on her hip and give Jim a, the evil eye, and then Adele would just go off and yeah, and scream and scream. We just we just kind of put the fear of of the world into this poor person, and he and he did. He did, he ended up coming through and doing yeah, what he but, needed to do, but he really needed to be talked to very directly. Yeah, without yeah. any pulling any punches. Yeah, because sometimes we think. Oh, you know, we have to be sweet and compassionate to everybody. Uh, but then, you know, the building doesn't get built. Because, I mean, sometimes, what did they say? A squeaky wheel gets the attention. Yes. So sometimes we need to squeak. And, you know, you don't just need to squeak in an obnoxious way. But you need to squeak. Otherwise, you get put at the bottom of the list by people who are very busy. Okay? So you have to sit and generate compassion, not frustration, not anger, not wanting to slap them, not wanting to scream at them, not wanting to give the job to somebody else to do. (laughs) But, you know with taking responsibility, having a kind mind, and speaking in a straightforward way. Otherwise, we wouldn't have a meditation hall even now, (laughs) 16, 17 years later. (laughs) Okay ninety four, I should not give directions with one finger, but instead indicate the way respectfully with my right arm with all my fingers fully outstretched. okay So in our culture pe- culture people point you 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 how do you feel when s- somebody points like this at you? Yeah, it's it's not such a nice feeling. Sometimes, yeah, unless it's you go get the ice cream and you get to eat it first before everybody else. Well, then, yes, point at me all you want. But, um, you know, generally pointing is, it also in our culture, isn't considered so, so polite, uh, although some people do that. In Indian and Tibetan culture, uh, you, you indicate with your whole hand and it's really nice. Uh, it gives you people a whole different feeling. And once I was um, giving a talk, one of my friends was a professor at DePaul and, and asked me to give a talk in her classroom. And so it's just my habit very often, you know, to use my hand because that's what I was taught. And uh, and afterwards, she, noti- she noticed that. She said, Oh, it's so it was so nice the way you pointed out to people like this. Yeah, uh, It surprised me that she noticed, but it it reminded me that yeah, even in, in our culture, people prefer something with your whole hand. or if you're inter, you know giving directions like that, unless you need to say that building, well, even you know that building over there, you can use your whole hand. okay. If you don't know the way to somewhere, don't make it up. <laughs> okay, in India, people, they don't want to disappoint you. And even though they may not know where you are going, they will give you directions to get there. And you will wind up more lost than you were before. Okay, so don't do that. And they say that, you know, in some cultures, uh, if you ask on the street how to get there, people will actually walk with you there. But they say Americans will not do that. Yeah. Like, well, let's go there. Yeah. Hmm. But, you know, if we have time or whatever, it it can be nice if it's just down the street, you know, to give somebody directions and accompany them there, especially if... You know, they don't know the language, or they're really lost. And people remember that kind of thing. Yeah, when people go out of the way to help you, you remember it. Okay. So we indicate with our right hand. Nor should I wildly wave my arms about, Unless you're trying to make a point when you're giving to teachings, you know, that people should not wave their arms around. Okay. Oh, that felt good for my back. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, nor should I wildly wave my arms about, but should make my point with the slight gestures and a snap of my fingers. Although snapping our fingers in, in our culture isn't. A big deal. In India, or in Tibetan culture, actually, if you're a Rimbachan, and you want to call your attendant, often you snap your fingers or you clap your hands, or sometimes they'll have a bell on their table. Um, okay. Otherwise, I shall lose control. So what this is saying is, you know, when we're in public and doing things, we, we should... Uh, uh, We should be, what's the word? Um, We shouldn't be all over the place. Okay? Uh, Yeah. And especially like at the airport or someplace, you know, you haven't seen a relative or an old friend. Ah, hello! You know, for, for people who are refugees who finally get in the con- country and they're united with their, their dear ones. Yes, we love to see them run up to their dear ones and cry and hug them and make a scene. It's, it's very touching to watch them. But normally, you know, I mean, that's not our situation. And so in airports or other places, uh, you know, we shouldn't be screaming or, Wildly, you know, hi, ah, hello, throw your arms around somebody. Okay. Um, yeah. So n- not behaving in an uncontrolled manner. Okay. And, uh, you know, he's pointing out some specific ways here, but I'm sure there's tons of other examples. And we probably aren't even aware of them. Yeah. Like you need to save a parking space. So you you know you're driving around and you're in the passenger seat and your friend says, get out right now and save that parking space. And you jump out and you stand there like this. <laughs> you know, nobody else is taking this parking space. You know, okay, you you need to save the parking space, but you know, you 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 do it kind of more what's the word I'm looking for not politely gracefully. Well, yeah, more gracefully yeah. okay and then 96 just as the Buddha lay down to pass away so should I lay lie so should I lie in the desired direction when going to sleep. And first of all, with alertness, make the firm decision to quickly rise again. Okay, so this is how uh, the Buddha. We're, we're encouraged to, when we sleep, lie in the position that the Buddha lay in. La, lay is past tense. The Buddha lay in when he passed away. So on your right side, yeah, with your hand under your your cheek, if you can. They say good to put your ring finger and block the nostril. You you do as many of these things as you can, you know, and then this hand is is on your uh, on your side, and you're lying on your right side. Okay, so we're advised to to sleep like that, um, if you can. That's good. If you know something is hurting or whatever. Then you, you have to adjust somewhat. Don't sleep on your stomach. Yeah, are advised against sleeping on their stomach. Um, yeah, usually they say have your head, you know, the top of your head facing north. But if your bedroom is not arranged like that, then you imagine that, you, that your head is facing north. Okay. And then as you're falling asleep, uh, you know, it's good to, to have some kind of Dharma thought in your mind or to think that the Buddha is on your pillow and you're putting your head, you know, near him and then very gentle light, calming light is, is coming into you so that you, not bright light, that'll keep you up, but, you know, a very soothing light and you can fall asleep easily. Uh, and before you fall asleep, have, the intention to, you know, get up at a certain time. Otherwise, the alarm goes off, and it's like, I'm too tired. Or you don't even hear the alarm, or whatever it is. So it's good to have uh, in your mind, you know, I will rise in such and such a time. And it, you know, it's amazing how the body kind of uh, does that. I don't know about you, but I find in the summers, I wake up before my alarm. Um, you know I don't know what, what it is in the summer, but you know, you just wake up earlier, which is nice. And you know? in, in the winter when it's dark and it's cold, even though our rooms are heated, I really have to get out of bed now. Five minutes, hours <laughs> later. <laughs> okay. And then when we first wake up in the morning, again, generate our motivation. Uh, today, I won't harm others as much as possible. I will help them as much as possible. I will increase my bodhicitta and contemplate wisdom as much as I can. And then His Holiness also uh, advises reciting uh, one verse to the Buddha, enthused by great compassion, uh, you taught the sacred Dharma to dispel all distorted or all wrong views to you, Gotami Buddha, I bow. It's in volume one. And, uh, you know, he advises us, you know, at the beginning, when we first wake up, you know, to, in that that way, renew our refuge uh, with the Buddha. Okay. Ninety-seven. And then it's nice, uh, as soon as you get up, to make three prostrations to your altar. You know, sometimes if you're really stiff, yeah, or you just had a hip replacement, you can't make your prostrations as soon as you get out of bed because nothing's bending properly. So you have to move a little bit, and then, you know, five minutes later do your prostrations. So. Or sometimes you have to go to the bathroom really quickly. So you can go like this and run, <laughs> and then come back and make your three prostrations. The 97, although I am unable to practice all the limitless varieties of bodhisattva conduct, I should certainly practice as much as has been mentioned here of this conduct that trains the mind. Okay, so the bodhisattva conduct is very expansive. We may not know it all, let alone even be able to practice all of it. But he's saying, you know, whatever has been taught so far in this book, we should really keep in mind and try and practice, okay? And uh, not just what came before, but what comes later in the book. And, you know, whenever we get teachings, they always teach us uh, the ideal of how to, how it should be. And so sometimes we hear the ideal and we think oh i have to do everything exactly like that and if i don't do it like that then then i'm a failure um no because remember they teach us the ideal because if they didn't teach us that we wouldn't know what to aim for yeah if if they only taught us you know manners uh like here then the because that's all we could handle right now. I mean, when you're a little kid, they don't teach you where to put your knife and fork and spoon and all these kind of things. They, they're they just trying to help you get the food from your high chair into your mouth instead of all over the floor. So, But, you know, you watch as a baby how, how people eat. And, and you learn... Uh, you know, kind of the ideal way of doing things. And then we do what we're capable of doing. And as we do what we're capable of, we become capable of doing more. Okay. So that's what, what this is, is getting at. Okay. Um, so Shanti Devas taught us a lot to help us, uh, make us more mindful of not only our precepts, but of etiquette and manners in whatever society we're in. And, uh, you know, so to try and practice that as much as we can. And as we practice it, you know, we'll we'll become, we'll develop more finesse with things. Okay. It's it's also very good, too, to... Um, You know, because there's a lot of etiquette kind of things, like when you go to visit your teacher, what do you do? And so on. And, uh, and so it's good for, uh, the people who've been around for a while to, to instruct the people who are new about how to do that. Yeah. So that they, they, yeah, so that they know, you know, and what's polite in Tibetan culture, what's polite in Western culture, um, yeah, these kinds of things. So, to learn that and, you know, because if you go and visit a Tibetan Lama, if you just kind of, you know, stride in and, you know, hi, Lama, uh, you know, that's not the way to do it, you know? Or if you just kind of s- stride in and, you know, sit down on the nicest chair, <laughs> yeah, then that, you know, that that's not how it's done, and that doesn't set it doesn't uh you're not putting your best foot forward. Okay. So to learn the the etiquette for how to do these kinds of things. Yeah. And the, the people who know have the responsibility to teach the the younger people. Yeah. Because when you come in, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Do you? And nobody expects you to know what to to do. But some people may think you've been around a lot longer and, you know, why hasn't this person learned by now when you're still new? So it's good to, to help people. Yeah. Okay. You know, and like when you're walking in India, you know, if there's some high lama, you move aside and they go first. You know, you, you don't go. Well, you know, I'm tired of this stuff of women walking behind. I'm just going to go, or you know that. No, it's uh, always air in the uh, in the way of being more polite. okay the 98 three times by day and three times by night i should recite the sutra of the three heaps that's the down uh, prostration the downfall bodhisattva's ethical downfall the 35 prostrations uh, no 35 prostrations to the 35 buddhas okay so that sutra Uh, For by relying upon the Buddhas and the uh, bodhicitta, my remaining downfalls will be purified. So so recognizing that we do that practice, we recite that sutra three times in the morning, three times in the evening. Yeah? If you can, really good. If you have other practices you need to do, you know, then if you're doing vajrasattva, maybe do vajrasattva or, or whatever. Okay? But it's a wonderful practice. And like I say, for people, you know, try and do your 100,000 prostrations before you get too old. Yeah. <laughs> because if you're too old, then, you know, your knees are cracking and the noise disturbs other people. And, uh, you know, you're falling on the floor, on the floor kerplonk. And then when you get up, you're panting. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah. But aside from that, it's just uh, it's easier on your own body if you do it when you're young and healthy. And and doing that practice is is really quite good. It's it eliminates a lot of uh, obscurations, a lot of difficulties yeah. in our practice. Okay, Verse 99, of whatever I am doing in any situation, whether for myself or for the benefit of others, I should strive to put into practice whatever has been taught for that situation. Okay, so there's a lot of teachings for different situations. And so he's saying here, whatever situation we're in, whether we're doing something for ourselves or doing something for somebody else, uh, we should practice whatever the Buddha has taught specific for that situation. Okay. Um, yeah, one one thing is we don't make scenes. In public places, we don't make scenes. Yeah. So even when I was with... Uh, my student who who was dying and the doctor was trying to convert him, you know, I didn't stomp in and say, get the mm out of here. Uh, you know, I just walked over and you know, thank you. I will take over. And the look. Um, okay, so so you know, we practice what's appropriate for the situation. In some situations, we have to be leaders. In some situations, we have to be followers. And in some situations, uh, like it happens sometimes, for example, at Soak, it was arranged beforehand who was going to pass things out but or who was going to stand up. And people forgot or something came up. They're not at the puja. And so you see that, you know, there's an empty space. You don't just sit there and look and wait until somebody tells you to do something. If you see that, you know, somebody's not there, there's something that needs to be done, you get up and help. Okay? Otherwise, you know, it, it just it's very strange like everybody's sitting around waiting to be served or something. Yeah. Similarly, when you know, when we're in situations when you see people carrying heavy suitcases or even suitcases that are not so heavy, you offer to help. You don't just say, Boy, you're really strong. Thanks for doing that. <laughs> yeah? You want to carry mine too? Uh, you know, you reach out to help. So, you know, sometimes you're traveling and somebody you're, you're with needs help putting something above. You know, I'm usually the person who has to ask somebody to help, but other times I'm the person who helps somebody else to put something in the overhead compartment. Um, you know, one time I was in London and there was one lady, uh, she didn't know English, and she was trying to find her flight, you know, and she didn't know what to do. So, you know, I booked her wherever it was, where her terminal was. Um, you know, so when, when you see something that needs to be done, then you, you help, you step in. Okay. When something doesn't need to be done, you don't butt in and push other people away. Okay. Like my teacher told me to bring him a couple of, cup of tea you know this is the big thing when you you know with your tibetan llamas you know he asked me to bring him a cup of tea get out of here i'm making the cup of tea yeah so no at those times you you know you try to behave appropriately okay so just you know look around and and see what's going on and and uh try and figure out how to to uh relate in this situation. Hmm. Now, if you're somewhere and there's a crying baby, yeah, then sometimes you can go up and, you know, look at the baby and play with the baby. Sometimes that makes the baby cry more. If it does, you step away. But sometimes the baby shuts right up. It's like, "Who's this guy?" you know? And uh, the mom, or sometimes the baby will play with you. You don't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you see. And sometimes on planes you're sitting next to somebody with a baby and it's like the poor mother, you know, she, you know, she needs to stretch. She needs a break. I've held babies on flights. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, you're sitting next to somebody who needs help. That's what you do. Um, okay, so just, yeah, you look at what needs to be done. Oh, maybe it was in Denmark? And some guy, some man in a wheelchair was going across the street, and the light was turning, and his wheelchair wasn't cooperating. So I think I was with, I was with either Karen or or with, um, Yes, and we just walked out in the middle of the street and you know, took his wheelchair and you know, brought it to where it needed to be. It's like, you know, that's no great heroic thing. That's what you need to do when somebody needs help. So just to to be aware of that stuff. Yeah, I'm always grateful when sometimes I get off flights And uh, my carry-on tends to be (laughs) heavy. (laughs) And you have to walk up. They don't always have, you know, jetways. You have to walk upstairs. And, oh, it's so nice when some big guy says, can I help you? You know, otherwise I'm like holding onto the banner and going step by step to get my, my suitcase up. Yeah. So, you know, and then other times you see somebody else who's struggling to get something up, and, you you know, they have one handle, you take the other handle, and you help them walk up the stairs together. Okay. Then, uh, verse 100. So, you know, I should strive to put into practice whatever has been taught for that situation. Hmm? Another thing, when you go to, to find seats at a public teaching... Okay, don't head for the front row immediately thinking, you know, well, I'm a bhikshuni now, I'm going to go sit in front, you know. Or, you know, even, I mean, it's, I'm a shramanera now, I'm wearing robes, I'm going to go sit in front, so get out of here. Um, no, you know, you sit where there's a place. Sometimes people will say, oh, please go sit in front. And they'll help help you find a seat or whatever. And then you go along and do that. But, um, you know, you don't ever go around saying to people, you know, I'm a bhikshuni, so you should treat me like blah, 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 blah. It's just like, it's, it's horrible when people do that. Really horrible. Okay. So there is no such thing as something that is not learned by a bodhisattva. Thus, if I am skilled in living in this way, nothing will be non-meritorious. Okay, so bodhisattvas should be open to learning everything. Yeah. So, you know, some situations require that you learn things that are not, it, it, things you're interested in, yeah, like where to place a building on the side of the hill so you don't have to bring in 300 truckloads of dirt. That That's my task for today and until it gets resolved. Uh, you know, or how to put radon uh, sy- systems in. Or, you know, there may be lots of things that you are just not interested in and that aren't uh, your field of expertise, but you're in a situation and somebody has to do it, okay? So you step up and you do it. Um, However, if there are things that you don't know how to do, it's always best to ask somebody for help, okay? So you know my toaster wasn't working yesterday. So first I asked Venerable Jigme for her blessing for the toaster, because she looks at anything that I have that's broken and it behaves and it works well after that. Uh, so she did her blessing on the toaster. Uh, uh, but then Venerable Losang took it and he he fixed it like that. Okay. Me, you know, I was sitting there, I, 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 I shook it because I knew, you know, I should get all the old stuff out of it. But I didn't know that you can, there's a way to open the toaster from the bottom. I didn't know that there's magnets and something like that. He knew all of this. So, you know. So he, so he fixed it and so I learned a little bit more about toasters. I still don't know exactly where the magnets are. so next time it doesn't break. Uh, so next time it does break, I will ask for her blessing and him to pick it <laughs> to fix the, uh, the toaster. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. My, my computer, I tell you, when it doesn't work, I always call her for help, and it works for her. Yeah. So, yeah, me, i you know, working with stuff like that is like, yeah. You know, I, I can give you a discourse on if it was... Uh, <laughs> If it's produced by self, other, both, or causelessly, but I can't tell you how to fix it when it needs to be fixed. Okay? So you gotta go to the people who know what they're talking about when you need help. Okay? Um. <laughs> Was this toaster produced by self? <laughs> yeah. Was it initially in the Prakriti that the Samkhya's? state exists and did it manifest out of that or did it manifest out of the it existed in the metal beforehand and manifested out of that you know that you're you know you're gonna have you're not gonna have toast doing that so you you know there's times when you need to be practical and there's times when you apply philosophy okay so yeah so bodhisattvas should be open to learning everything. And when you, they talk about the perfection of wisdom, okay, they talk about, of course, the wisdom understanding the ultimate nature, but also, you know, the wisdom in conventional areas. And so in ancient India, they talked about the five sciences, although these aren't really sciences. What are they? Poetry, grammar, Uh, Reasoning, medicine, and some kind of crafts or something like that. Yeah. So, you know, in modern day, it might be something like, you know, plumbing and, and, uh, you know, electricity, uh, uh, mechanic, car mechanics, and, you know. But it's good to have other skills. Um, because we live in a world that requires those skills. Okay. So we're fortunate at the Abbey. We have quite a diversity of people who have knowledge in different areas. There's a, still a few areas where we're missing people. Yeah, we, we need people with certain skills. But, uh, you know, we're quite diverse and a lot of people can do these things. And we have to learn what we don't know. Okay. So please learn what you don't know and I will sit and direct you to do that. (laughs) Right? Okay, glad you agree, because these things intimidate me. (laughs) Although sometimes I nudge myself, I get myself going. Okay, so if we do that, then we will have a variety of skills and we will be able to offer those skills according to uh, the situation that we're in and help people fix things that are broken. And we've had certain guests here who who come who have different skills. And then, you know, it's wonderful how they help us do things that we aren't able to, to do ourselves. And also, when it's saying, thus, if I am skilled in living this way, nothing will be non-meritorious. That's also referring to our motivation, yeah? So if we uh, know how to de- how to practice, how to develop a good motivation, Then whenever there's something that needs to be done, whether it's something that we like doing or not, yeah, we can make it into a bodhisattva practice and transform our mind so that we're doing it with a happy mind instead of doing it with a mind that says, you know, with a grumbling mind. Okay. And all it takes is just a change of our attitude, okay? So whenever you find yourself going, saying, it's not fair, yeah, before that comes out of your mouth, stop and ask yourself, what what mental factor is in my mind right now? Okay, we're going... Virgo well, Sankei has gone through mental factors. We're doing this on Friday night too. Stop and, and ask yourself, before you say it's not fair, what mental factor is in my mind? Okay? And then, you know, look at that. And if it's a non-virtuous mental factor, then that is your chance to practice the Dharma, and transform how you're looking at the situation so that you create virtue and so that your mind is much happier, too. Okay? And then if you, you know, you still have to do the task, then, you know, you do it and you think, you know, somebody's benefiting from this. You know, when you're picking all the wild daisies, Yeah. Then, you know, it's like, well, somebody's got to pick the daisies. Otherwise, they're going to take over the whole meadows. You know, all the meadows. So we've got to do that. And so, you know, you chip in and you help. I mean, picking the daisies is not great uh, torment and suffering. Yeah. I mean, I love, I would like to do that. But when the daisies are in the grass, it's bad news because I'm allergic to grass and everything goes crazy. Okay? When well, the daisies aren't in the grass, then, you know, I, I can do some of that. So you see, you know, and if, if you can do it, then, then you do it. I mean, it's not great suffering. Is it? Yeah? Stepping in and, and doing some chore. I mean, nobody's asking you to, amputate your leg without med you know without anesthesia yeah you're not in a, in a battle for your life with you know in a war situation you're not in an airplane that's going down quickly yeah what makes the situation so difficult our mind That's the only thing that makes it difficult in so many situations. Okay, so just, you know, stop and say, Okay, I've been listening to teachings on the mental factors. What mental factor is this? Anger. Or some variety, it might be. Annoyance. Irritation. (laughs) <laughs> okay. Well, what kind of karma am I creating? How am I influencing the people around me? Is this Bodhisattva's practice? Yes, I'm a wrathful Bodhisattva. Ah, uh, check again. Okay. Questions? I just had a question about that verse about the suggesting that we do the recite the sutra of the three heaps three times by day and three times by night. Uh-huh. I'm sure there are many permutations of what that actually means, but many permutations. permutations of what that means like do we do three in a row or is it just suggesting that we you it's know, just suggesting that you you do it, you know. There's yeah, there's different ways of doing it. It's just You figure out what works for you. In verse 95, you were talking about not making a scene in an airport or a public place. Uh How much should we um, speak about this to other people prior to seeing them, like our parents? (laughs) Uh, Give me an example. Like I know my mom runs up to me very excitedly and hugs me and, you know... Hug her back. Yeah. That's not to say, Mom, don't hug me in public places. You know? I mean, this is what mothers do. Go along with it. Yeah? Still do it in two different ways. I mean, we can throw ourselves back in return, or we can accept it and hug with, you know, in a reserved... (laughs) In a yeah. reserved You way. know, you yeah, you never know. Mom. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mom, I'm hungry. Feed me. <laughs> and she conveniently has a whole meal in her in her bag. <laughs> and the refrigerator in the car. Um, okay, yeah, so there's ways that we act.